you willing to receive the word of God? Is your ear inclined to the word to hear the word of the Lord? Amen. Are your eyes willing to see what God is ready to unveil to you? Is your heart open? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're continuing this morning on the Spirit of God, and this is part three. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As we're looking at the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, we are seeing that God does not change. We change. God has changed us. From Old Testament to New Testament, He's changed us. He's done something new in us. But the Lord is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the Old Testament is not an old God. He's the God of the old and the new. But there was a transition between the old and the new that changed us. Something happened that changed us, not God. And so as you look at the Spirit of God moving on the lives of of creation and on the lives of men and women, you see the work of the Spirit is doing the same thing then that it's doing today. Only today, because of Christ, the Spirit of God is unleashed in the fullness of power. But the Spirit of God worked in the lives of men, filled men, came upon them for a work and a purpose. And so as you see the purpose of the Holy Spirit, the need for the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit upon man, you see it changes not. We change. And when the Spirit of God comes on us and in us, we are transformed. We are not the same. We are different. Yes. Yes. We are different. Yes, we are. Praise the Lord. In Moses, in, yeah, Moses, in, in Numbers chapter, uh, we're looking today in Numbers chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Numbers chapter 11 and uh, verse number 16 we're starting with this morning. And I want to give you a little bit of background here. Uh, Moses was taking was was taking his people and they were in the wilderness and uh, God had delivered them from the from the bondage and slavery of Egypt and God is a provider amen God provides for our needs and God wants us to be to acknowledge that to acknowledge him as a provider that is a desire of God. God says, I am your provider, your El Shaddai, your all-sufficient one. Whatever it is you need, I am Jesus. You know, He provides for our needs. And he, God's desire is that we acknowledge that, that He is our provider. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, because He's my provider. And so as we, as we confess it, we are to confess it with thanksgiving and joy. With a smile on our in our heart, amen, that God is my provider. He will provide. Do you believe that? Are we a believer? Are we believers? A believer says, yes, God is my provider. 
And so this is what God wants of his people, to trust him, to look to him and believe on him that he is our provider. And so when he brought his people out in the wilderness, he provided manna from heaven. They had never seen manna. Manna is, what is it? What is this? It's it's like a, a vitamin that you never had in your life. It's, it was food that brought nourishment to your entire body. There's no pharmaceutical could make manna. If they could, if there was a pharmaceutical company that could produce manna, that by eating that manna, that would suffice and and, so, and give you all the nourishment and strength your body needed for a journey through a wilderness, they would mass produce it and you would be purchasing it. Yes, you would. If there was one pill you could take, one piece of manna that you could eat, and that would be your nourishment and your strength, but they can't do it. Pharmaceuticals cannot produce manna. Only God produced manna that nourished them. And he brought it fresh to them every day. But the people of God got tired of that to the point where they said, this manna, we got to eat this manna again? I'm sorry, honey. And they started to look at the manna with disgust. This manna... God gave it to them for nourishment. And they started to complain. Oh, back there we had leeks and garlic and and all manner. So they said, we want meat. We want flesh. We want meat. They became like little babies. We want meat. And, and, they, were, and they were complaining. Do we complain that God doesn't provide for us? Lord, can't you see my need? Don't you know what I need? Don't you know I need this? Don't you know I need that? Thank you, Lord. You are my provider. I know you'll provide for all my needs. You see, the world and the devil wants us to rise up against God and say, Lord, what's the matter? Don't you see I need this? I need this. I need this. Can't you see I need? We've got to stop that thinking and that attitude. And we have to come to the Lord saying, Lord, thank you that you know my needs and you're my provider, that you'll see my needs met. The Lord says, if, if, if he takes care of the sparrows, how much more will he take care of you? So we've got to guard our thinking and our attitudes towards the Lord as believers. And now they were traveling with what is called a mixed multitude. People who were not believers. Some came out of Egypt with them. Others were 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 were, were people that were uh, servants or whatever. And there was a mixed multitude. And it says the mixed multitude burned with lust for meat. And they encouraged and added to the grumbling and complaining. And so it was the mixed multitude who were non-believers who got the people to complain all the more. And the world around us is filled with people that say, where's your God? How come he's not meeting your needs right now? And so the world around us tries to prod us to say, well, where is God? Why isn't God meeting your needs? Well, he is meeting my needs. My God knows my needs and he's providing for me. He always has and He always will. That's got to be our response. That's got to be our confession. We cannot let the world around us or even other believers from other churches saying, God doesn't provide, you've got to do it on your own. 
No, I've got to take action. Yeah, I just can't go home and sit home and say, by faith, God is going to ring my doorbell and I'm going to have a million dollars worth of groceries, a new car and everything else, and, and it's all just going to come by faith. No. By faith, you're going to get up, believe God for a job, believe God for something, and believe God that He'll provide for your needs. And then your doorbell will ring. If you're truly in need and, and you're making all your efforts to do what you can do, God will provide. If God has to ring your doorbell and someone show up with a bag of groceries, they'll show up. If you're doing your part, if you're believing God, God is a provider. So don't let the world around you or other believers say, how come God isn't providing for you? Or where's your faith? It's not about us. We trust the Lord. We believe in the Lord. But the Lord will provide. He's my provider. So anyway, Moses got to the point where all these people are now knocking on his door crying, We want flesh. We want meat. We're tired of this manna stuff. We want... This is what they were saying, banging on his door day and night. We want meat. We want meat. And Moses says, Lord, if I got to deal with these people anymore, did I give them birth? Kill me. If, if, and he says, this is what he said to the Lord. Take me home to be with Jesus right now. You know? And God said, no, Moses. That's not how it works. I set you up to lead and guide the people. You can't come home now. You got work to do. And so this is what he was saying to the Lord. (laughs) And so here's where it picks up. This is where this this account picks up here. So he says to Moses, no, Moses, I don't want to kill you. I'm not going to take you home now. You've got work to do. My people need you. My people. God cares about his people. He's a provider, a caretaker of his people. He's a provider of his people. And so God set Moses over them to lead them through the wilderness to the promised land. And so he, God said to Moses, Moses, this is when Moses says, kill me. God says, no, I want you to do something else. Go. God said, it, it was like he just, God just goes from, from Moses saying, Lord, kill me. God says, Moses, go get 70 people. 70 men. Go, God said to Moses, gather together 70 men from from among the leaders of Israel, men whom you know to be respected and responsible. Take them to the tent of meeting. I'll meet you there. Moses, I'm not going to kill you, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something here to try and solve this. To remedy the situation. Go take 70 men that you know. That are responsible. Bring them with you to the tabernacle. To the tent of meeting. And I'll meet with you there. You talk about an appointment. (laughs) A meeting with God. God is speaking to Moses. You know. Because. See Moses was hanging out with the Lord. He wanted to hear from the Lord. And talk with the Lord. Some of these other people were hanging out with a mixed multitude and they were there. You know, who you hang out with determines what your spirit man is going to develop into. You hang out with complainers, with mockers, with scoffers. You know, that's going to rub off on you. The Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. 
So be careful who you hang out with. I'm not talking about who you work with. I'm talking about who you hang out with. In your workplace, you have to work amongst whoever and whatever. But who are you hanging out with? Are you hanging out with the fellowship of the body of Christ? Are you hanging out with other believers who are going to reinforce your faith, or are going to stand with you and pray with you and believe God with you? Who you hang out with matters. And so God was hanging, Moses was hanging out with the Lord. And the word, the word for, the word Moses means drawn out. You know, he was drawn out of the water by Pharaoh's daughter, but he was drawn out, Moses means. And so God says, he says, I want you to take 70 men that, 70 men that you know. You see, God and, both God and man sees your faithfulness to God and to his people. God sees what you do. Man sees what you do. And so God says to Moses, take 70 men from among the leaders of Israel, men whom you know to be respected and responsible. Well, how am I going to know if you have respect, if I, if you've earned respect or responsibility? There has to be a time lapse, hasn't there? So these men didn't just appear in Moses' camp one day. These are men that the people knew, that Moses knew. Men who were responsible, who were respected in their walk with the Lord. That they loved the Lord and they loved the Lord's people. You can't love the Lord and not love his people. And if you love his people, you'll love the Lord. And so the Lord says, I want men who are respected and responsible, who will take care, who have hearts that care about my people. You want to, you want to, you want promotion in the Lord. You want God to bring you upward in, in his kingdom. God looks for leaders. God wants men and women to rise up into places where they can be a blessing to the body of Christ. But God wants men and women to be raised up for the right reason and with the right purpose. That they want to take care, take care of the grumblers and complainers. To take care of the people that are shouting for meat when, ma, when, when God wants to give them manna. It's a, it's not easy. It's not easy. These people weren't shouting, oh, you know, uh, let's, let's see who's, these people were angry and they were violent. They were, they were stammering. We want meat. And God says, okay, I want to raise up some leaders that are going to go and minister to this rowdy crowd. And so God says, take 70 men whom you know. Faithfulness, being faithful, being a person that, that is trustworthy and trustworthiness comes through time. Through faithfulness. Men and women who have compassion, who are true. Men who will stand with Moses, not against Moses. Men who are known, men and women who are known and proven. God is concerned as to who leads his people or who are in positions of authority to teach, to greet, to do whatever to his people. God is concerned. So he says, get, go, and get these men. God didn't give him a list and say, here's the men, Moses. 
Remember when we looked back before, we said God handpicked Bezalel and Aholiab. He said, Moses, the choice is out of your hands. I chosen Bezalel and Aholiab. So there's times when God chooses men and you have nothing to say about it. And there's times when God says, Moses, as the head of this Israel, I want you to pick 70 men. So God stood back and he said, Moses, you pick him. Because God trusted Moses. God had faith in him. And so sometimes we've got to step out and say, Lord, I know you've asked me to choose 70 men, but I need wisdom and insight and understanding here by your spirit in me to be able to wisely and truly and rightly pick 70 men. I'm not going to go pick out the 70 most handsome, strongest, or tallest, or, or, or richest men. I want to pick men who love the Lord, who love the people of the Lord. I'm looking at the heart of a man. I'm not looking at the outward of a man. I'm looking at the heart of a man. What's inside of that man? I don't care what he looks like on the outward. Although sometimes it might help. You ever see the commercial with the big guy with the birds that fly out of his beard? I mean... Sometimes the outward matters a little bit, but but God looks at the heart of an individual. What's inside that man that makes him tick? Is it a love for God? Is it a love for God's people? That's the man. Is he faithful? Is he compassionate? Is he true? That's the man that God wants to take and, and put in a position to lead his people. And so Moses went and he picked 70 men. And then verse number 17, he says, and I'll meet you at the tent of meeting. He said in verse number 17, then I'll come down and speak with you, Moses. He says, I'll take some of the spirit that is on you and place it on them. They'll then be able to take some of the load of this people. See, he says, he says, I'll come and I'll speak with you, Moses, and I'll take some of the spirit that is on you. He says, and I'll put it on, I'll place it on them. Now, although Moses chose them because of their responsibility and respectability and their heart for the Lord, yet that wasn't good enough. If they were going to be put in places of leadership, said God said, that's a starting point. That's a good thing. But they need more than responsibility and respectability. And they need more than a love for me and a love for my people. They need my spirit in them if they're going to be qualified and able to lead my people. God wants those who are have anything to do with ministry to people to be filled with his spirit because it is his spirit that will work in you that will minister the spirit of God is important in everything that you do that is why you have to have a consciousness and an awareness that Lord I need to be filled with your spirit if I'm going to do anything in your kingdom whether it be greeting, whether it be cleaning, whether it be whatever, whatever, whatever. If it's not, I want your spirit in me to equip me and enable me to do it. 
Sometimes we think something is too little to worry about being filled with the Spirit. You better get rid of that thinking and attitude quickly. Because that's an abomination before the Lord. Whatever you do, you must do being saying, Lord, fill me with your spirit for this task. Give me what is necessary and needed for this task. If I have to sort these papers, Lord, give me the spirit and the ability to sort these. When you start developing that mindset and that heart set, that attitude, this is what God's desire is. That we be equipped by his spirit in us. To do the work. So he says, I'll take the spirit that is on you and place it on them. Though then, though, see these words? Though then be able to. Though then be able to. Though then be able to. When God takes the spirit that is on Moses and puts it on them, they'll then be able to. You'll then be able to. When you're filled with the spirit of God, you'll then be able to. Once you're qualified, and, and see, Moses set them apart and says, these are the men that, that are going to do the work, Lord. Then the Lord comes and he says, well, now let me put the Spirit upon them. Then they'll be able to do the work that they're called to do. And he says, you won't have to carry the whole thing. <clears throat> you won't have to carry the whole load alone. You see, God always brings people alongside those in ministry. Pastor, God will bring people alongside of you. When Moses was on the mountain, Aaron and Hur came alongside to uphold his hands. God never takes one individual unless there's no others around. But God always adds, brings people together to minister to the body, which is his people. And God takes ministering seriously. Men love to get titles and get behind pulpits or get in Sunday school or get in wherever and they, they fight and they strive for those things because they think that they think it's something uh, that bills makes them, that makes them somebody be careful be careful be careful be careful you're you're dealing with God's people God's children and whenever you're dealing with God's children you're dealing with the apple of his eye every one of you in here are the apple of God's eye. If I mess with you, I'm, I'm in trouble with the Lord. If I'm trying to promote me as a somebody, I'm in trouble with the Lord. I need to be building you up. I need to be encouraging you. I need to, I need to be firing up your, you so that you can get in relationship and rightness with God, get hungry and thirsty for Him, not for me. If I'm getting you to think I'm so somebody, uh, I miss the mark. I'm accountable to the Lord. What am I going to say to him? How am I going to stand in his presence? And so God wants those who do anything to do it with a love for the people. As that person coming through that door to the service today is the apple of God's eye. God is so wonderfully going to work in them today. And so you greet them with that attitude you know what I'm saying and so God is concerned and God takes his spirit because he loves his people he loves those who are about to minister too and he gives his Holy Spirit to them so that they can do the work of building up and growing and 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 being vessels that the Lord can speak through and work through so it is through the spirit of God if you try to get up and preach or teach on your own the letter kills. 
You can go to seminaries. You can go to Bible college. You can go to some churches. And, and there's no spirit there. It's just the letter, the letter, the letter, the letter, the letter. And, and, and it, it hardens you. It kills you. It, it's like a sword piercing you. But the spirit of God, when the spirit of God ministers, it melts you. It, it, it changes. It transforms. It convicts, yes, for a good way that we change. But it's not for condemning, condemnation, but it's for conviction so that we say, Lord, I need to change. Holy mackerel, that's me? Whoa, change me, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. The Word of God shows us, opens our eyes to things that we need to change, how we need to grow. And so it it is very important. So God promises that he will qualify them. And God, in giving these men, he makes a distinction. Moses, you're the leader. You're to lead. These men who I'm putting my spirit upon are to be helpers, assistants to you. Now they can't turn around to Moses and say to Moses, Well, Moses, we've got the same spirit that you do, so we can lead. Who are you to lead? We can lead us. We've got the spirit. That's wrong. That's an abomination. You're given the spirit of God to do the gifting and the calling that God has called you to do. Remember, Miriam goes to Moses and says, Does God speak to you only? Doesn't he speak to us? She was out of line. She was out of the purpose of God. All of us has the spirit of God. All of us have different giftings. And it is in the body of Christ that the giftings come together and are acknowledged by the man of God who God sets over that work to acknowledge and impart into those people, to, to utilize those gifts, to bring them forth, to make sure that that person is gifted and filled with the Spirit of God to do the work that they're called to do. And so Moses went out, verse 20, uh, now let's skip down to verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. <clears throat> and have them stand <clears throat> around the tabernacle. Again, why did God want them to stand together? Because God was about to do something to prove to the, to the men and to the people that God has called these people and qualified them. So God said, I want you to get these 70 people together. And then he said, I'm going to meet you there in the tent of meeting. Get together in that upper room and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Get together in the tabernacle, and I'll meet you there. Get together in Bloomsburg Community Church on Sunday morning, and I'll meet you there. Get to get to women's Bible study on Thursday night, I'll meet you there. Get to Sunday school at 9.30, I'll meet you there. And that's what we got to take up. That when we come together for the Lord, God is going to meet us there. Now, God is with us all, all, all where we are, but there's something that God does when we come together as the body. I will meet you there. I said this morning, if you go to somebody's house and they're not home, what are you going to do? Are you going to go in or are you going to come back some other time? Well, you better have permission to go in if they're not home. But in God's house, in this house, God is always here, always present. And so we come into the presence of the Lord. You might go somewhere else, and I'm not so sure that God is home. Uh, The people might be there, but I don't know about the presence of the Lord. 
about the Spirit of the Lord showing up. But in this house, the Spirit of the Lord is present. When you walk in those doors, I'll meet you there, God says. When you get up in the morning, I'll meet you there, Bloomsburg Community Church. That's the attitude and that's the mindset. That's the expectancy we need to have. I'll meet you there at Sunday school. I'll meet you there in the service at, at, at 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 whatever. And so there's that expectancy there. And so there was an expectancy to receive from the Lord the, uh, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do what the Lord has called them to do. And what does the Lord call them to do? To minister to his people who were in difficulty, who were struggling with things. They wanted meat. They didn't want manna. They wanted meat. And God had to raise up some men to deal with that. Oh, how many of you would want that position to go out into the midst of people who were grumbling and complaining and, and, and raising their fist? Moses, who are you to lead us out here? We want meat. How many of you would sign up for that, for that position? Huh? We're not talking about 10 or 12 people now. We're talking about a multitude of people. How would you like to walk into the midst of them and say, calm down, calm down. You know, if you're not anointed of the Lord, you better have a big stick with you or something. Or or running shoes on in case they came after you. And so, stay here. But 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts... Let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. See, when people come to get anointed, to receive the anointing and the gifting of God for a specific task, it has to be for the purpose of building up, edifying the body of Christ. Not for any personal gain. Not for for any uh, neon lights over your ministry. It's for the Lord, His people, to build them up. And so it says in verse 25, Then God came down, verse 25, God came down in a cloud and spoke to Moses and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 leaders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. Here they were, gathered together, waiting for the Lord to show up. And when the Spirit of the Lord rested on them, what happened? Something happened that stirred them, that made them to prophesy. What about those in the upper room in the book of Acts? When the Spirit of God came upon them and rested upon them like like tongues of fire, they began to speak in other tongues. Something happened that showed proof that God showed up and touched the lives of men. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But in Acts, He came in them to dwell in them. But here he rested upon them, the Spirit of God, because they were called for a purpose to minister to God's people. And God says they may qualify in their heart, but until they are filled with the Spirit of God, they are not qualified in my sight to lead my people. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
God cares about His church. God cares about His people. And God wants Spirit-filled men and women in positions and places that will minister to His people, that will build up the body of Christ, that will grow the body of Christ. If you're not filled with the Spirit of God, you're not qualified to stand in a position to teach the people of God, to serve the people of God, to do anything for the people of God. And it's not condemnatory. It's, it's, you should be happy and glad that God is willing to equip you with His Holy Spirit if you are willing and have the right heart. God is willing to pour out a Spirit upon you for service to His people, for His cause, for His glory, for His namesake. He's the same yesterday, today. The Spirit rested on them and they prophesied and said, but they did not, if you raise that up a little bit, but they did not continue. It was a one-time event. In other words, God didn't put a Spirit upon them so that they can go and prophesy throughout all the land. God equipped them for that time, for that purpose, and for that moment. They had a, they had a mission to accomplish. And God said, this outpouring is for this mission. Now don't go get in the head thinking that God made you prophesy, so now you're a prophet of God. Hello? That wasn't their call. They weren't to become prophets of the Lord. God made them prophesy so everyone could know the Spirit of God met them in the tabernacle and came upon them and now they're qualified to do what God has set them to do. And so you understand, God may come upon you when we have, when we're in service and the gifts of the Spirit, the Bible says in, in Corinthians, and we're going to come to that when we get there, but God gave freely the gifts. He moves freely by His Spirit. To some, He gives gifts of whatever, whatever, and He disperses as the Spirit wills. And because someone prophesies in a service doesn't mean they're a prophet of God. As the Spirit moving for that moment in time. And I've seen it over my years of experience that somebody gets uh, the Spirit of God comes upon them and they prophesy. They give they give a word and then they think they're a prophet of God. And then they think nobody can correct them. Nobody has anything to say to them anymore because they're a prophet of God. Don't you see and understand that I prophesy that God made me a prophet? No. No, that's wrong. That's error. The Spirit of God came on you for that moment to build up and edify the body of Christ. But He hasn't called you to the office of a prophet. Some He can and will do. But He'll do that through other men of God acknowledging and laying out of hands. And so this was like the giftings in Corinthians for the new church. You see, God picks out men and gives them the ability by His Spirit. And He makes everyone see that these men were called of God, anointed by God, equipped by God to do a ministry. Because otherwise the people would have said, who are these men, Moses? Why did you choose these men? We don't want them leading us. But the Spirit of God made clear, these men received a touch of the Lord for this ministry and for this calling. Therefore, he goes on to say, verse 27. Oh wait, uh, verse 26. Meanwhile, two men, Eldad and Medad, not your dad and my dad, Eldad and Medad, okay, had stayed in the camp. 
They were listed as leaders, but they didn't leave camp to go to the tent. There were two men who were who were included in the 70. Now, you have to understand where the tabernacle or the tent of meeting was. It was in the center of the 12 tribes. And on each side were the tribes of Israel, and the tent was in the center. And so Moses, when God said, bring 70 men, uh, 68 of them came. Two of them, for some reason, couldn't get dressed in time, didn't have, weren't shaved, or whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm, not, I'm only kidding. They, I don't know whether they shaved or not. But any for whatever reason, two of them were left in the camp, meaning outside, but they were supposed to be part of, they were part of the 70 that God says, I will pour my spirit upon. But for some reason, they were outside in the camp area where the people were. In the tent of meeting were the priests and those who ministered in the temple. And so those saw what was happening. They acknowledged that these men were touched of God. But out in the camp were the people. You understand? Were the tribes. They were out there and these two men, Eldad and Medad were there. Now when the Spirit of God came upon the men in the tabernacle, these two men who were outside, also the Spirit of God came upon them and then the people were looking at them and saying whoa, here's two guys all of a sudden now they're prophesying. What's going on here? You know, and so they Still, the Spirit of God rested on them, and and they prophesied. But again, they didn't continue. It was a one-time event. They weren't called to the office of prophet. They were prophesying. But now the people saw them and recognized that, whoa, something's going on here. Now, verse number, the next verse, number 26. Meanwhile, the two men... That had stayed in the camp. They were listed as leaders, but they didn't leave the camp to go to the tent. Still, the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. So verse 27, a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And, and because only Moses was, was supposed to prophesy. He was a designated leader, and the people looked to him for prophecy. That he spoke with God. So you see, there was an order. There was a structure in the kingdom of God. And so when these two men, Eldad and Medad, began prophesying, it was like, uh-oh, what's going on here? Are these tri- guys trying to usurp Moses' authority? Are they trying to now say that, that, that they're hearing from God instead of Moses? And so Joshua, the son of Nun, who had been Moses' right-hand man since his youth... Joshua was a man who stood with Moses and learned of Moses. He was Moses' armor bearer. He was a servant. He was watchful towards Moses. He was protective towards Moses. Saying, Lord, Moses, you know, he was saying, Moses, I want to watch over your, to be protective of you, that you can do all that God wants you to do. And when these guys started prophesying, he's saying, whoa, something's wrong here. These guys, only Moses should prophesy. So he ran into Moses and he said, Moses, master, stop them. You remember when Jesus was out there and there, there, there were, there was, there was men that were doing something and, and the disciples said, stop them. And Jesus said, if they're not against us, they're for us. What was that? If they're not against us, they're for us. And so here, it's kind of like the same thing. Stop them. They're prophesying to your, to the people. And Moses said, are you jealous for me? Are you, are you really jealous for, for me, Moses, uh, Joshua? Are you really trying to protect me? It's not about me, Joshua. Joshua was still learning. 
Joshua meant well. Joshua did not mean harm. He did not mean, he was trying to be protective of the work that Moses was called to do. He was trying to be protective over Moses. He was trying to do the right thing. But Moses says, Joshua, are you jealous about me? That I'm the one who prophesies? He says, Joshua, I would that all of God's people were prophets. Would that God would put a spirit on all of them. Oh, you see what he's saying? Joshua, I wish I wish God would fill all these people with his spirit. And they all would be able to speak in the name of the Lord. You see Moses' heart? Moses wasn't about, well, what are you guys prophesying for? That's my, that's my position. That's my, bring them in. Burn them at the stake, you know. He's saying, Joshua... Oh, if only God's people, all of them would get filled with the Spirit of God. This is my heart, Joshua, that God's people, this is my heart, that you all get filled with the Spirit of God. It's not about me, it's about the Spirit of God in us, filling us all, so that we all can minister one to another. But Moses didn't have that authority to fill all the people with the Spirit. That only comes from God. God has to make that. And until Christ came, God could not do that. But once Christ came, then the doors opened so that what Moses desired, even back then, could come, became reality. Oh, that all God's people. You heard it read this morning. The promise is for you and for all your children and your children's children that they be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. God isn't changing in the New Testament. Way back then, the Spirit of God in Moses got Moses to see, oh, that all of God's people could prophesy. Then Moses, then Moses and the leaders of Israel went back to the camp. Meaning they went out from the tent of tabernacle, which was like the headquarters for the, uh, for Moses and the leadership. And it says they went out into the camp, meaning they went out to the people, to God's people, and they began ministering to them. Now the story doesn't end well here. Because you remember, in the beginning, and we're going to end with this, in the beginning, God, they were complaining of, of manna, This manna, we want meat. And so God says, I'll give them meat. I'll give them all the quail that they can eat. And if you understand the amount of quail that God provided for them, not for a day or a week, but for a month. And when God provided quail for them, he provided enough to last them a month. But before he provided for them, he sent he raised up 70 men to go into their midst to try and persuade them trust the lord be satisfied with the provisions of the lord now bless the lord thank the lord trust the lord why this is why god raised up 70 men god cares about his people even when they're grumbling and complaining he raises up people to come alongside them and to say look change trust the lord 
Have faith. Be be delighted with what you have right now. Be content with what the Lord has given you now and trust Him that He will provide for your needs. So the 70 went out being filled with the Spirit of God so that they can minister in compassion and in truth and in love to the people. And they went out and they were ministering, filled with the Spirit of God. But they wouldn't be calmed. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be changed. They would have none of what these men would say. And so God then brought the quail after these men ministered outside to the people. God brought the quail. And the people rushed upon the quail and they were full of greed and they were just grabbing as much as they can get not caring what their neighbors got. And they could gather as much as they could. And they were filled with greed. And God says, while they were eating the meat, the fire and anger of the Lord burned against them because they did not heed the the words of the men that were sent to talk, speak with them. God always tries to speak to us, to rescue us, to pull us out, to say, trust the Lord, trust the Lord. But these people would hear it not. And when the quail came, they pushed the men aside and they grabbed as much as they could and they pushed them, they took them to themselves. And the Bible says, they began to perish. And so, but you see, God sets men up, fills them with the Spirit to do His ministry, brings them alongside the man of God so that the people could be ministered to God is concerned about you. And so God speaks to us. And uh, I wanted to do something this week, but I think I'm going to do it next week. I want to lay hands on on each and every one because I didn't finish this word, and I'm not going to finish it today. But tomorrow, I want to, I mean, uh, next Sunday, there's two more portions that go along with this that I want you to see that speaks about, about the Spirit of God coming on through the laying on of hands to be filled for the work of the ministry. And so I want you to think about that in that whole situation. God tries to get his people to a place of blessing where he can, where they will trust him for provision. So don't let people prod you into being dissatisfied to where you're at in the Lord now. Don't be dissatisfied. Paul said it in the New Testament. I am content in whatever position, whatever shape, however you want to word it, however I find myself, in that I will be content, knowing that the Lord is my provider and my shield. He will provide for me. He will take care of me. He will meet my needs. And so I'm not going to go to the Lord and say, Where are you? Why can't you meet my needs? No, Father, thank you that you see my needs, that you're providing for me, that you are my provider. You are the glory and lifter of my head. You are my El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, whatever, whatever, and you keep going on and on and on. God is your provider. Thank him and bless him for what you do have. Whatever you 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 have. Be thankful unto the Lord. Don't look at someone else and say, why can't I have that? Be thankful for what you do have and say, Lord, I know you're my provider. 
And so that is where God wants us to be today, in a place of thankfulness to Him, and to know that God raises up men and women to come and encourage you and to grow you, to be a blessing so that you can be blessed, not cursed. God is a blesser, not a curser. God is a blesser. Amen. Stand with me this morning.